Sorry, Jason gave me this thing that I had to use it. But then my Basically gives me this thing before, and I'm like already stressing. It's been a while, and uh, it's like you have to use this sentence. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so I need some participation, real quick. Like one minute. Okay. something. I want to do it. <laughs> so I need some a couple people just tell me something really good that's happened like today or this past week that like just freaks out. I ate lunch with you. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny. Come on, Come on. Come on. I had lunch roll today. Nice, nice. Get my biscuits. Yeah. Okay, one more. Maybe one more. Uh, what's the girl for girlfriend for our <laughs> Okay, now, so now I need you to tell me something absolutely awful. Double pass off. <laughs> okay, I wasn't expecting anybody to So I, I wasn't going to make it by the answer. But so, like, so when we think about like good things in our life, it's a lot easier for us to talk about that. It's like, oh, about that. And uh, for us to, like, we kind of lean on the good things, right? In life, we tend to focus on the good things in our life. And that's normal, that's good. Like if you're all the time focusing on something bad that's going on in your life, you're probably like depressed, you're probably not in a great state of mind, right? So, you know, in our lives, typically every day, the good outweighs the bad, right? So when something bad happens, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, right? So that bad thing, so then, so then our minds start to like, race about that one thing it's like okay had an awkward conversation with someone right or like somebody back into my car or fill in the blank and so our minds like start to race and it's like why is why did that one thing happen why did that one thing mess up my day or why did that multiple things mess up my day right so we think of the, the why we think of why 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 did this happen right when uh when i was younger my my little brother would always ask um my mom like I'm going to bed. Why? Um, we're going to Granny's. Why? Uh, you know, so it was all the time. Why? Why? And it's like, we just shut up. And so that's, I think, everything bad that happens in our lives, we always ask why, right? So if someone gets sick, right, and it hurts them, someone you love, right, you ask why. Right? If you lose somebody out of your life, if they leave you, if they go to heaven, or if they just move on, right? You know, why? I don't understand that. Right? So we really kind of struggle with the question of why. Why do bad things happen? And that's what the story of Job is about. Um, so I'm going to give you some quick context to kind of understand the book really quick. So there's three sections of the book. So you kind of have the introduction. You have uh, this conversation with, with Satan and God, and then like kind of what happens, what bad happens to Job in his life. And then the next section, the middle section, is the biggest section, 
as these conversations between Joe and his friends. I'm like trying to understand why, right? We have these conversations of why, why this happens, and they're trying to come up with conclusions. And then in the end, we have this resolution of God's grace, God's power, and everything kind of ties up, finishes up. Um, so Joe is right in the middle of the Bible, just if you want to put there or look at one, whatever. It's uh, after, after Esther and before Psalms. Um, so, like I said, at the beginning, we have this conversation between uh, Satan and God. So, that's where we're going to start. One, uh, chapter one, verses eight through 12. Uh, then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Uh, there's no one like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears me and shuns me. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. But you have put a hedge around him and his household, everything he has. You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread out throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and surely he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, then everything he has is your power, but I'm a man and do not touch him. Okay, so we have this really unique situation. Satan, uh, Satan and God are talking, and God is like, Hey, this is my guy. This is one of my great servants. This is a holy example of a man on earth, right? Job. And Satan's like, the only reason he loves you, the only reason he serves you is because you bless him, because you take care of him, right? So God's like this little fantasy back and forth, right? God's like, okay, then take, take away all he has and see what happens, right? So that's what Satan does. Job is a good guy, he's blessed, and he has. Uh, in the first few verses of Job, it talks about how he has plenty of herds, he has a huge family, he has wealth, he has servants working for him. So everything you can ask for in this time, Job has, right? Okay, so usually it's only one thing that happens to us a day. Satan takes everything away from Job. All in one day, right? All in one day, Satan takes away everything. He kills all his kids. All his kids die. That's the problem worse, right? All his flocks, all his wealth, all his servants, they're either killed or enslaved or, or something happens to all of his blessings in his life. But imagine, start putting yourself in Job's shoes. Imagine that feeling of weight, of anxiety, of pressure on you, and something bad, right? So, but Job doesn't, Job doesn't do the same he says. He doesn't blaspheme against God. He doesn't call God out. He says, I, you know, I'm angry, right? So Satan goes back to God again and says, hey, look, you didn't hurt him enough. You didn't take away enough from him. So Satan's like, you got to hurt his body. So Satan end up, ends up going back and giving uh, to the warriors, right? So Bill has enough. No family, no wealth, no blessings in his life. All he's got is his wife. But, uh, so Job has enough. His health is gone. Everything in his life is gone to fight. And so, uh, I, I want you to really think about how Job is feeling. So, uh, in Job 3, 3 through 6, when the day of my birth perish, and the night that set a voice conceived, that day may turn to darkness, and may God above not care about it. May no light shine on it, may gloom and under darkness come to once more, and that cloud settle over it, and blackness of war. That, may, that night may thick darkness conceive it. May it not be included among the days of the year. Will be injured in any other months. May that night be barren. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but Job is still this way. 
that was filmed like we wish, which is it's never alive, right? It was never born. It wasn't born when you feeling this depression, this anxiety, this great right? So for seven days, Joe's kind of staying alive, He's thinking about all that's happened, all that's taken away from him, soaking it in for seven days, right? So his friends hear about this and they come to see him. And after these seven days, they're there to talk with him. And they're like, Joe, look, they're trying to figure out why, right? So I said, Joe, you had to have done something, something, right? You had to have done something for this to happen. Joe's answer is consistent throughout this middle the whole section of conversation. He says, look, guys, I haven't done anything wrong. Okay, I've lived right. I've served God. I've loved God. I've lived right. I have no sin. And it's just in English, right? So he wants to just talk with God. He wants to, to bring these feelings, these emotions, and what's happened to you, right? It's like, God, just, just help me out. Let me let me prove my point to you. Let me show you that I'm missing. Uh, Genesis 23, 3 through 7. If only I knew where to find him, something about God. If only I could go to his dwelling, I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No. He would not press charges against me. Be the upright and establish their innocence before him, and there I would live forever. Just like I can just talk to God, I can just show God. Can help with what I'm feeling. He can start to make this better, right? And so Job is really holding on to his character. It's not doing what Satan says. It's still holding up God's end of the, the bad guy. So Job 27:26. As surely as God lives, who has denied justice, the Almighty has made my life bitter. Hey, my, my life sucks, and I don't know why. As long as I have life within me. Breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, my tongue will not utter lies. I will never admit that you are in the right until I die. Talking about his friends, I will not deny my integrity, I will maintain my innocence and never let it go. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. So, all this stuff going on, all this terrible stuff that's happening to Joe, he's saying, Look, I'm going to do what I've been doing all my life. I'm digging my heels in and I'm going to serve God the way I've served God all my life. Just hope, just hope that something works out, that it just gets better. Right? We're really seeing Joe's character right here. Do you imagine what I would be doing going through? I'd be really bitter, right? I don't want nothing to do with anyone. And I can't say that I wouldn't be angry at that. Right? I, there's been multiple times, probably in all of our lives. That we've been angry with God because something's happened, right? But Job's thinking of what he knows. And this, this fact and that, that Job really knows and can say to Job is that Job knows that God is greater than any hardship he's going through. Job knows that for a fact. <coughs> what I was talking about with many on the good things in life, Job knows that he can live on that. He knows that God is that rock for him. That no matter what's going on, God is consistent. God is there. God is greater than all the struggles he has going on in life. Um, 
So in Job 28, 24 through 28, uh, this is one of Job's friends talking to Job, trying to explain to Job what he already knows. Job already knows God's greatness. But for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens, when he established the forces of the wind, measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorms, when he looked at wisdom and appraised it, he confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and the shining is understanding. So what we can learn from Job is the power, the power of God. And we understand from Job where, where we should be in this, right? Um, you know, our minds want to, like I said before, want to find the answer, right? I don't think we need to be worried about the answer because we're never going to get the full answer. We have pieces and parts. We can say, okay, maybe if we didn't know about that, we would get to experience it, right? So that idea. Um, maybe because Adam and Eve sinned, that's why they're suffering, right? They messed up first, so that sucks for all of us. Or maybe even the world is not perfect, it's just good, right? So there's all these pieces of parts to try and answer this question of suffering and why bad things happen. But I don't think we need to worry about that. I think we just need to lean and be confident that God is greater than all these things. Right? It's above that all. So we need to understand and just take, let's just take a second to think about God's perspective. So we walk around trees every day, right? You're on campus, you're walking around a tree. Um, and so a tree, according to like scale, is probably 50 to or over 50 feet. Okay. So we're maybe six foot. And then when you look at a tree, you have to look up to really experience how big the tree is. So I know that sounds really stupid, but hopefully it makes sense. So, so you're looking at this tree, and when you're on the ground, that tree seems really huge, it's really massive. It is okay. So if you've ever been on an airplane, a lot of people know what that's like. I know what that's like, or uh, I've seen pictures of like the earth, right? Okay, so that tree, that tree that's so huge, it foot plus tall, it's huge on the ground. But in an airplane, when you're looking down, when you're scared of heights and looking down, that tree is a speck, right? Four years into the spec on the train. Right? Right? Tiny compared to the elephant. It's the same thing, right? Looking down and out, out of the whole world, that little tree is nothing. Right? That's God's perspective. That's God's power, right? God is above all your hardships, all your struggles. And you know, wants us to bring our troubles to him, like Job is doing. Um, and so something really, uh, really beautiful happens. Um, I think we forsake God responding to people when we read the Bible or when we hear stories. Like, oh, God just talked to us now. Something really beautiful happens. God responds to Job. Okay. Job 38 is so long, but it's really beautiful to really think about God's perspective. Right. Where were you when I laid down the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. 
who determined its measurements? Surely he met. Or who stretched the line upon it on regular basis for some? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning star sang together and all, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? If God could take Job and say, okay, you got him just a little bit, like kill Job. That's what could have happened, right? That could have been a, a harsh God. That's not what God is doing. God is explaining to Job, hey, look, I'm here. Just need to have confidence in you. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from you? When I made clouds its garment and put darkness its swallowing bed. And prescribed limits for it, set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud ways be saved. Have you commanded the morning since your days begin and caused the dawn to know its place? Really getting this beautiful example of like where God is at. Right? We're understanding where God is at or what he's seeing or how he's viewing the world. His view is a lot different than ours. Right? He is the creator of the universe. Right? He wants a relationship with you. The creator of the universe. The God of everything. One true God wants a relationship with you. He wanted a relationship with Joseph. It wasn't the fact that Joe was struggling, that's why God wanted to be with him. But God loved him from the start. Right? So when we think about God's love, love in general, the greatest act that we've ever seen. Never read about it, never known. It's his Simpson Sundays. Greater than anything else. It's the greatest event. It's the greatest thing in history. Right? And that's a show of God's love and the desire that he has for a relationship with you. Uh, John 3 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that the earth believes in him shall not perish but have an everlasting life. And God with Jesus he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And then he said, Father, except for me. Jesus is the way that we have a relationship with God. Without Jesus, we can't have a relationship with God. Jesus is that sacrifice. For us, so that we have the chance, so we have the opportunity. So, from Job, we learned that God wants us to bring our anguish, to bring our troubles to Him so that He can help. That's because He loves us. That's because He's greater than any of our struggles. You don't know God, you don't know. His love, how much love he has for you, more than the seas, taller than the mountains. Combine one creation. Find someone who can show you or read the book. It's amazing. It shows all about God's love. Find a reminder. Find us. I hope this is a reminder. God loves you enough that he wants a relationship with you. Two 
don't know Jesus. You don't know what he did for you. You don't know how much God and Jesus love you. Just be reminded. To find one of us. Uh, I'm going to pray for a second. Uh, there's going to be people around. There'll be people downstairs uh, to the right. So you walk house downstairs. Come on the right. Uh, there's people there to pray with you, talk with you, to give you resources and help you with your relationship with God. Because that is the priority of your life. So let's stop. Now, there is no one like you. There's no one on you like there is no one that even comes close to you. You're the one true God. You're the creator of the universe. You're so thankful. So thankful that you love us. That you want a relationship with us. God, I ask, I ask that you help open our hearts, that you help us to become more willing to have that relationship with you, to, to want to lay our struggles down at your feet. I ask that you just comfort us. I ask that you comfort us in those hard times and that you with us all of us. I ask that you fill us with your presence, your love, and your joy. God, I just ask that you open our eyes to your power, to your wonder, to your example. So thankful most of all for your son. The love that he showed us, the love that you show us each and every day. I ask that you let us defend our minds always. It's in your son's name. Well, let's stand for this one.